Be seated. Glad you're here. Those of you online, we're glad that you're joining with us. A couple things before we get started. The first of which is no Bible study this Thursday. It's Thanksgiving. Hope you have a blessed Thanksgiving. I mentioned this on Thursday night, and there were some sighs from people. Like, what? So listen, here, here's the deal. If you want to come on Thursday night, go ahead. I won't be here. Have a blessed Thanksgiving. All right. Our Maui update. I'm planning to talk with Pastor Steve Santos tomorrow morning, but would ask that you pray specifically for those who lost loved ones in Lahaina that day, of which there are many, and here's why. There's a push right now, perhaps you've heard about this, for those people who lost loved ones to sign a release, releasing the parties who are participating in a fund from any legal liability and just accept a payoff of $1 million, which sadly many may be forced to do, given that they have nothing. So this can be very appealing for all the wrong reasons. As I'm sure you're aware, we are committed long term to our ongoing Maui mission support, which God is blessing as only He can and always does, despite the unthinkable horror that the people of Maui experience every day. They wake up to this every day and will continue to. So please continue to pray, and I'll continue to update you in as much as I'm able with all that God is doing, all for His glory. Also by way of a reminder, next Sunday, uh, really looking forward to this, that's the 26th. Uh, both morning services, we're going to have Wally and Mara come up, uh, along with our missions team to Nepal. And they're going to come up and share, and then we're also going to have a time of prayer and send them off. They depart for the missions trip to Nepal on Wednesday, the following Wednesday, a week from this Wednesday, which is November 29th. And then they return on Saturday, December 16th. We do have some information out front in the information area. And then also we're going to keep you updated while they're there in Nepal, so that you have sort of a prayer calendar that you can follow along with their itinerary. And please uh, pray specifically for that day for them. And we would just most certainly appreciate that. That means a lot, by the way. I hope you know that. Uh, I got some good news. Uh, excited to announce this. We finally, after a uh, sort of a arduous process of vetting ministries in Israel. Uh, we have identified one. I'm waiting to hear back uh, on perhaps another, but we have identified a ministry in Israel that we are now providing mission support to. Uh, they are well established. They disciple, they have a discipleship program for IDF soldiers. These are brothers and sisters in Christ that are in the IDF there in Israel. 
And they also have a program where they provide ongoing humanitarian aid to both Arabs and Jews there in Israel, especially for such a time as this, for what I think would be deemed obvious reasons. And they even have an Arabic outreach. Now get this, they get the gospel to Muslims in Israel, but not just the Muslims in Israel, the Jews with them as well in Israel, who do not believe in the true Messiah. And so this is an outreach ministry to the Arabs and the Jews both. And we are now supporting this effort as well. So again, Lord willing, and if we're still here, I'm hoping to provide updates on our Israel missions support moving forward. Uh, one more matter that I think I'd be grossly remiss were I not to address concerning an often asked question in this regard. We're on the receiving end of this question uh, quite often. And I want to address it, if you'll just indulge me for a moment. It's the question of why it is that we do not have relief funds set up so that people can give to and even designate their giving or the funds to that specific outreach. Okay, the short answer is we don't have this because we don't need this. And the reason we don't need this is because we never ask for money. We never have. Uh, for those of you online, we do not receive an offering. Nothing wrong with that. Just when I started this church, I just sensed from the Lord that we were not to receive an offering, that we would just have, uh, in fact, I bought, you know, one of those brass mailboxes from Home Depot. And, and I put a sign on it, ties and offerings, and we had it on a folding table. And that was what we did. And now we have, they're on the back wall, but we, we don't receive an offering. And I just sensed that we would not be a church that would do that. Again, nothing wrong with a church doing that. But it was like the Lord saying, just, you know, you're not going to need to do that. I will provide whatever you need. And we have wanted for nothing. And God has provided everything, and then some, plus more times 10, and then some. <laughs> so we don't ask for money. Now, the reason we haven't asked for money, nor would we ever ask for money, is because we don't need to. And the reason we don't need to is because this is a giving church. And those of you online, you, you give cheerfully, willingly, abundantly, generously, for which we are most grateful to those who do. So great is your reward in heaven and your treasures that you are 
laying up in heaven. God has just provided already. So we want to be good stewards of this God's money in this and to this God's church. And to whom much has been given, much is required. And I think we could be, it could be said of us, much has been given. So now, no pressure, <laughs> much is required. And so that's what we're doing. Um, boy, I hope I do better second service with that one. So now, please know that all the monies received get to those people who are in desperate need, whether it's Maui, Israel, the Philippines. We had Steve White with us last week, or Nepal. Um, if you want, you can just note it in the memo field or online. Just note that that's where you want it to go in the comments section. And 100% of those monies will go where you want it to go. So are we good? That wasn't very convincing. Let's get started. <laughs> so first services are prophecy update. We look at Bible prophecy have been weekly for many years, but second service now is the sermon. It's a verse by verse study through the Word of God. We finished Second John last week, and we're going to start this week in the book that comes after Second John, which is Third John. That's the most profound point I have all day today. So we're going to start at Third John, verses 1 through 8. And what we're going to do is look at why it is that it's both spiritually healthy and even physically healthy to possess an attitude of gratitude. I'm really looking forward to this uh, passage. So that'll be live streamed 11.15 a.m. Hawaii time for those of you that are online. And if you're watching by way of YouTube or Facebook, we'd encourage you to go directly to the website jdfrog.org. There you'll find the uncensored and uninterrupted entirety of today's update, as only the first part is live streamed on those platforms for those reasons. Okay. Um, I'm going to do something a little bit different today. I just want to share my heart with you. And what I want to share is concerning something that's been on my heart as of late. And it's as it relates to an important question. You see it there on the screen. And the question is this, how does all this get me to Jesus? And by all this, I mean, all that's happening both in the world and more personally in my world. How is all of this getting me to Jesus? Now, here's the why behind the what in wanting to share with you this today. And I I'm just going to say it. I won't veer off my notes, because whenever I do, I go where angels fear to tread. 
And I have the scars to prove it too, by the way, just so you know. Any hope of surviving, let alone thriving in this the last hour, will be predicated upon the way that each and every one of us, myself included, answers this question. While I realize that's a big and bold statement, the truth of the matter is, and I think you would agree with me, evil is seemingly prevailing in this world that we're living in today. Evil and wickedness is prevailing seemingly unchecked with impunity. And as such, it's having the effect of sinking many into despair. Actually, this is one of the pitfalls when it comes to Bible prophecy, such that one can get stuck in all the doom and gloom, get stuck there and stay there. In other words, if students and teachers of Bible prophecy don't understand how all the doom and the gloom, all this, all this, gets us to Jesus, then we're all prone to give in to despair. A couple examples. If I don't understand how all this, all that's happening in Israel and to Israel, not only gets me to Jesus, but also gets Israel to Jesus, despair will ensue. If I don't understand how all this, all that's happening, just in the economy, for example, and to the economy, if I don't understand how all this gets me to Jesus, then yet again, despair is bound to ensue. Perhaps rephrasing the question might help. It's a fill in the blank question. Don't you hate those kind of questions, because they're not multiple choice. I like multiple choice questions when you only have one choice, because then you know the answer. I know I'm digressing, but I really don't like those multiple choice questions where D, they get the D, sometimes E. And it's all of the above. Now I'm really confused, because <laughs> it kind of could be all of the above. Anyway, back to our prophecy update. This is a fill in the blank question. You ready? Does blank get me to Jesus? And if so, how so? Does blank get me to Jesus? And if so, how so? Now, being the godly, humble, considerate, loving pastor that I am, you're not laughing. 
<laughs> I took the liberty of filling in the blanks with some suggestions. Of course, for your convenience and your edification. And I'll share them with you, if you'll kindly allow me to. So let's just suggestions in terms of filling in this blank. Does this teaching, teacher, article, book, video, program, broadcast, podcast, or conference, get me to Jesus? If so, how so? Let's get a little more personal. Does this crisis, loneliness, brokenness, illness, failure, defeat, rejection, or false accusation get me to Jesus? If so, how so? Okay, Pastor, I have a question for you. All right, go ahead. What are you doing? I'm glad you asked. Answer. I sense very strongly from the Lord that I was to go in this direction for today's update, because God is doing a deep work in my life by virtue of how this question becomes a litmus test of sorts. And this for no less than two reasons. The first of which is the urgency of this last hour in getting Jesus to people and people to Jesus. Let me explain. If this thing, that thing, anything, or anyone doesn't get me to Jesus, you'll forgive me for the strength with which I say this, but I possess neither the interest, nor the time, nor am I in the mood for it, because there's no time. Oh, you can provide me with the latest report and update. What's going on? What's happening? But if you don't get me to Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not interested. Maybe five years ago, maybe, maybe in 2018, it was more forgiving of that, but not now, not today, not in this last hour. I need to get to Jesus. And if this doesn't get me to Jesus, if this doesn't point me in that direction, then what's your point? That's a question that's asked of me all the time. Actually, it's, do you even have a point? I do. Here's a second reason. It's more personal as it relates to the furnace of affliction in my own life, as God continues to break me, to make me more like Jesus. That's His purpose, you know, in our lives. That's Romans 8, 29. 
which comes after Romans 8.28. Wow, that was the second profound thing I had today. I mean, we know that all things, God works all things together for the good. He can take bad and make good all things, not some things, most things, all things. For those who love God and are the called according to His purpose. Well, that's kind of ambiguous until you get to the next verse, verse 29, which should always be taken in the context of verse 28, because God tells us what His purpose is. It's to mold us, to shape us, to make us more like Jesus. That's why you're going through and are in that furnace of affliction in your life. God is making you more like Jesus. You know what's interesting about the furnace in the book of Daniel that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into? Even the men that threw them into the fire burned alive to death on the spot. We're told, very interesting detail in the, in the narrative, that there wasn't even the smell of smoke on those three Hebrew slaves. And not only that, but the only thing that got burned were the ropes that bound them. Sometimes if for no other reason, God will allow us to go into the furnace of affliction just to burn off that which binds us. And by the way, that's where Jesus is. Throw me in the furnace. Is Jesus there? Get me to Jesus. He's in the furnace. Let's go. <laughs> it's humorous. You'll, I, I know this is, uh, by the way, those of you that appreciate my humor, I love you. I love you. But I find the humor in it because Nebuchadnezzar is just flabbergasted. How many, can you imagine calling his men over? How many guys did you throw in that furnace? Well, we threw three. I, I'm counting four. Count them. Look, one, two, three, four. And the fourth looks like the Son of God. <laughs> That's because He is. Well, you know the typology. That was not my intent to go there today. But maybe that was for somebody here or somebody watching online. Is that trial in your life getting you to Jesus? So be it. So be it. Yeah, but it's, it's really hard. Hey, but it's getting you to Jesus. And not only is it getting you to Jesus, it's making you more like Jesus. When I trust by faith that what's happening in my life gets me to Jesus, it has this steadying and readying effect on me, much needed. And it settles my troubled heart, oftentimes riddled with anxiety and filled with fear. So much so, you can pile on what's happening in the world on top of what's happening in your world. And as long as it gets you to Jesus, so be it. Enter Elijah. I cannot wait to meet this man in glory. I would argue he's one of the most fascinating prophets of God and men of God, mightily used of God in 
all of the pages of Holy Writ. However, Elijah, who prayed that rain would not come down, and it didn't, and that fire would come down, and it did, now finds himself very down. The reason? After slaying 450 prophets of Baal, Jezebel has a contract out on his life. Now he's running for his life, and he even is so down he wants God to take his life. Can I read 1 Kings 19 verse 4? But he himself, speaking of Elijah, went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a broom tree, and he prayed that he might die, and said, It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Where are you going with this, Pastor? Well, here's where I'm going with this. Elijah has no idea yet about what God has in store for him when he literally gets Elijah to Jesus. How so? First, vis-a-vis a type of the rapture, as we're told in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 11. Let me read. Then it happened. As they continued on and talked, they being Elijah and Elisha, that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire, and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Translated, he was raptured. <laughs> Why didn't you tell me that when I was back in the cave? Why didn't you tell me that when I was under the broom tree wanting you to take my life? I can't take it anymore. I've had it. That's it. That's enough. I can't, Lord. I can't. Just take my life, Lord, please. He prayed. He pleaded with God to take his life. He just wanted to die. It gets better. Fast forward to the New Testament, book of Matthew, chapter 17, verses 1 through 3. Let me read. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Dude, <laughs> wait, let me see if I got this straight. You were just at the broom tree in verse 4 of 1 Kings chapter 19, wanting God to kill you. And then you get, by the way, this is 
parenthetically, let me say, this is no extra charge, incidentally. I think I'm just, bear with me, hear me out. I think Elijah was a paramaniac. You know what I mean by that? He, he was in the fire, man. You know the fire he calls down, you know, the contest with the uh, prophets of Baal. And then it, it, this, is, this is God. God's like, hey, with Elijah, it's got to be fire, except for when he was in the cave. Because there was a great earthquake and wind. I mean, the rocks were coming off of that cave. Can you imagine how much, much it must have shook the earthquake? That's strong. And a mighty wind. And then there was a fire. Oh, this is Elijah we're talking about. Surely God is going to be in the fire. And much to his surprise, he was not in the fire. He was in the still, small voice. But I'm just thinking there was something about Elijah. I won't belabor it. I already probably did. But uh, it's like God saying, hey, you guys, when you bring Elijah up here, he's really into fire. So let's send a chariot of fire and horses with fire. Did you catch the detail? Not just the chariot, but the horses were fire and the chariots of fire. So I'm just saying, I think he's into fire. But um, that's the other place, by the way, that's not going to be in glory. Now I really did belabor it, but there's Elijah. Who's he with? Jesus. He got the Jesus. Can we go back now? I suppose one can superimpose the aforementioned question on the life of Elijah, when Elijah prays and asks God to take his life. Would you agree that Elijah's answer would have changed the whole complexion of his situation at the lowest point in his life? And that was the lowest point in his life. I mean, how would he answer? I think not only would God not answer his prayer. And by the way, this is ironic, isn't it? He prayed that he would die. He never saw death. Can we just stay under the broom tree a little bit longer? I promise you we'll get out of the broom tree. But he wants God to kill him. He wants to die. And I just, again, you'll, you'll forgive my humor, but I just picture God in heaven laughing, going, you think I'm going to kill you? You're, not only am I not going to kill you and take your life, you're not even going to die. How about that? You're not going to see death. I'm going to catch you up. And because I know you like fire, I've ordered fiery chariots and fiery horses. Because <laughs> I love you, Elijah. I know you're into it, so whatever. So I, I guess what I'm asking is, can, can we ask Elijah the question now that he got to Jesus? Now that he's talking with Jesus? I mean, what would his, what would his answer be? Oh, I, never mind. 
Never mind. Now I see how all this got me to Jesus. Am I taking it too far to suggest that Elijah, a type of the rapture, was alive and remained, and was caught up to meet the Lord in the air? He was caught up in the air to Jesus, by Jesus, to be with Jesus. Now, we have a problem. And that problem is, is that, and I'm just as guilty as the next guy when it comes to this, we, we kind of dismiss this under the banner of, well, come on, man, this is Elijah we're talking about. I mean, this, this, this was a mighty man of God, a prophet of God, mightily used of God, of course. I'm nowhere near in Elijah. He's on a whole new level of his own. Oh really? You might want to ask James about that. Listen to James describing Elijah in chapter 5 verse 17. He says of Elijah that he was just a man with a nature like ours meaning that Elijah was just like us, and we are just like him. Oh, how we do err greatly when we allow there to be this disconnect between the Elijahs then and us now, especially when we're at our lowest point. And I would venture to say, and I'm not going to look up, <laughs> You know who you are, and God knows your heart. You're under that broom tree right now. You're at the lowest point, and truth be made known, you can't see any way that you're going to get out of this one, or make it through this one. And you just want to die. You want the Lord to just take you. It is enough. It is enough, Lord. And if that's you, you're in good company, by the way, not just with Elijah, the Apostle Paul despaired of life. Job pleaded with God to take his life, and the many others like them. I'm not saying you do that, obviously. And by the way, if that's on the table, I'm going to say this in Jesus' name and in love. That's not the answer. God loves you. You don't take your own life. It's not your life to take. The Lord gives and takes away. But what I am trying to say is that if you're in that place, the Lord understands. And you're not alone. 
and you are in good company. I love what Oswald Chambers said, God will never fault a man for despair. Do you notice conspicuously absent from the narrative concerning Elijah, or anyone for that matter, is any mention of God rebuking them when they're at that lowest point in their life, barely hanging on, wanting to die. Maybe you're at the lowest point, and it's actually this lowest point that is the point of today's update. The way up is the way down. And the worse it gets, bringing us down, the closer we get to going up to be with Jesus. I want to expound on this for the remainder of our time together today. And again, I would just humbly ask that you kindly allow me to share my heart with you. Um, I know a little bit of a different update. I just sense that the Lord would have me go in this direction, but I just need to talk. We need to talk. We need to talk. <laughs> so we'll end the live stream at this time. And hopefully you're already at the website. And we're going to do that so we can talk freely. I'm just sharing my heart. Doubtless many of you know by now that, and really like many of you, it's been a great struggle with the events that commenced in early 2020. It changed the world, and the world has never been the same, nor will it ever be the same again. January 2020 starts off with Trump's deal of the century, followed by COVID, followed by Operation Warp Speed, followed by the Abraham Accords. Fast forward well nigh four years later to what's now the end of 2023. Can you believe it? On the heels of the recent brutal demonic attack in Israel by Hamas from Gaza, That's the all this that I want to ask about and talk about. Because unless and until the all this gets me to Jesus, then what's all this for? And where's the hope? Are we going to be stuck in that broom tree or in that cave like Elijah, or are we going to get the Jesus? The quicker we get the Jesus, the more all this then begins to make some sense. Stay with me. Over the last four years, Elijah has become a really good friend of mine. I'll have you know. And the reason is, is, I keep running and hiding in that cave. 
I have reserved seating under that broom tree, by the way. It's got my name on it. Don't take my seat. That's reserved. Broom tree, reserved. J.D. Farag right there. I've been there more times than I care to admit. But it's there that I start getting answers to the question before us today, does all this get me to Jesus? And if so, how so? And thankfully I can answer with a resounding yes. All this, all this has brought your pastor closer to Jesus with an urgency to preach only Jesus. There have been times under that broom tree, in that cave, where I've just thought, Lord, it's enough. <laughs> I feel like Jeremiah, same thing. How many times Jeremiah wanted to quit? In fact, he said, that's it. I'm done. Tenors his resignation. What does the Lord do with it? The same thing He does when Elijah wants him to kill him, wants, wants to die. You notice God doesn't even respond. He just says, here, I'm going to feed you. you need some, first of all, you need some sleep, and you need to eat. And then you had enough strength, and you get to the cave. You're still hiding, still running. What are you doing here? I like how one answered that question. Everybody's got to be someplace. I'm here. What are you doing here? Everybody's got to be someplace. This is where I am. Hiding in the cave? You're still hiding, Elijah. Yeah. Why? Because I, I can't do this anymore. God never one time, whether it's an Elijah or a Jeremiah, says to them, okay, sit down. Come on. Let's you know, let's talk about this. He doesn't even answer the question. What does he do? Talk about fire. I don't know, maybe Jeremiah, same thing. But Jeremiah's like, there's a fire burning inside of me. His word burns like a fire within me, and I cannot keep my mouth shut. I have to. Paul would say it like this, the love of Christ constrains me. It propels me. And by the way, slaves can't quit. If you're a slave, you're a bond slave. Employees can, but you're not an employee. You're a bond slave, and slaves can't quit. Nice try. I know you want to. In fact, maybe because you know you can't quit, that's why you want to die. Because if you die, then you don't have to keep doing that which you want to quit doing. Um, can I just humbly and lovingly say, that until that trumpet sounds, and this is a renewed commitment of sorts, I commit to you anew 
that these prophecy updates, which we will continue to do every week, well, actually there'll, there'll be one week where there will not be a prophecy update, because <laughs> I won't be here, and you better not be here either, because we'll have been caught up. Maybe some of you are going to get a fiery chariot and fiery horses. I don't know. If you do, that'd be cool. This is my commitment to you anew. These prophecy updates, if you cannot answer the question of how does this get me to Jesus, then I'm not going to do it. I'm not interested in it. And I care not about what anyone says about it. Because the only thing that matters to me is what my Jesus says about it. Period. So when I get up here, I want you to know that I have spent time seeking the Lord, sometimes a considerable amount of time. And I've done the Elijah, Jeremiah, all of those guys. In fact, I used their notes. God, <laughs> no, no, yeah. And then that fire starts burning, and I can't not. Yeah, but if you do that, man, they're going to they're gonna censor you. Censor away. God will have the final word on that. Yeah, but if you talk about that, people are going to unsubscribe and they're not going to follow you. I don't care. If you're following Jesus, that's all that matters. Don't follow me. Paul would say it like this, only imitate me as I imitate Christ. Follow Jesus as I follow Jesus. But don't, don't follow man. Don't follow me. Follow Him. Follow Jesus. And get to Jesus. And I think it would be good and appropriate if all of us, again myself included, would take and superimpose the template of the question before us today on everything and anything in our lives. How does blank get me to Jesus? And if so, how so? I think you might be pleasantly surprised. Pleasantly, keyword, surprised. How much of our time, and interesting, we all have the same amount. I'm just talking from the heart. I, I'm out of notes. I'm looking down because I don't know, sometimes the way you look at me, I just kind of like look down. I'm almost done. It's got, I'm not going to go long today. That was one of the other points because I do have a point. I'm just sharing from my heart. I mean, we all have the same amount of time, don't we? We all have 24 hours in a day. And none of us are going to cheat that or defy that. We got 24 hours in a day, and it's the last day. 
And that trumpet could sound today. And all I care about right now is not what they say. I don't care about that or them or this if it doesn't get me to Jesus. Because right now we got to get to Jesus and we got to get people to Jesus and Jesus to people because we're out of time. We're out of time. Oh, we, no, it could be in a stop. Stop, please. I, I'm pleading with you. I'm begging you, stop. Oh, we got the next gen, the next generation. Are you kidding me? We're the final generation. This is it. Hey, pastor, you're, uh, you're getting dangerously close to date setting. You can call me a date setter. I don't care. Because the date has been set, the appointed time. And that time is now. Well, now, pastor, you're venting. I might be. It's a sanctified venting, though, I'll have you know. See, here, here's the bottom line. There's a lot of bullies out there that are trying to bully and intimidate anyone who dares take God at His Word. And you know, as I've inquired of the Lord concerning this, I can only come up with one thing, and it's that it's playing it safe and self-preservation. I hope you know that you're looking at a pastor, if I'm your pastor, and it's my privilege to be. I want you to know something about your pastor. Not too much. I just, <laughs> I want you to know this though. You got a pastor who has nothing to lose. I literally have nothing to lose because I've already lost my life in this world. I've already picked up my cross. I've died to myself. And I, I've let go of everything. And I'm not talking materially. I mean, certainly that is part and parcel. I'm talking about, I, I've let go of my wife, who I love so much, my children, who I love so much, you, who I love so much, this church that I'm so profoundly privileged to pastor. I, I'm not trying to protect anything. I'm not trying to preserve anything. I've, I've lost everything. All I have is Jesus, and that's all I want. And all I want to do is get as many people as I can, either to Jesus or back to Jesus, while there's still time. Have I said one last thing yet? I just did. Please, this is a plea from my heart. Don't let, I'm going to put another blank in there. Don't let blank, you fill it in. 
steal your joy and kill your hope in the soon return of Jesus Christ. And can I add to that, just put the pedal to the metal, man, and just go for it. Are you ashamed of the gospel? I mean, what have you got to lose? I mean, what's the worst that can happen? They're going to unfriend you on Facebook. They should have un you should have unfriended them a long time ago, if that's the case. In other words, don't please, I'm pleading with you, don't be like the church of Laodicea that basically took the temperature of the culture and acclimated to it, and it became lukewarm. So much so that Jesus wasn't even in the, that church anymore. He's on the outside knocking on the door to come back in. He used to be there because He wants to come back in now, to sup with them and them with Him. Because see, right now, and, and Satan knows he has but a short time, right now what's happening is there is great damage being done to the body of Christ. And it comes by way of a critical spirit. It comes by way of gossip, slander, rumor, false accusation, division, confusion, deception. I can keep going. I won't. And the common denominator with that and everything else with it is that Satan wants to, us to get our eyes off Jesus and His soon return for us. So how does all this get me to Jesus? Does it get me to Jesus? If so, how so? If it doesn't, don't waste your time, because you don't have time to waste. I'm only going to preach Jesus. I'm not going to be ashamed of the gospel. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 9.16 said, Woe, a curse. Woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. I don't want these prophecy updates to just be a bunch of data. Not that I'm not going to provide data, links, resources, reports, quotes. But again, if it doesn't pass the litmus test of getting you to Jesus, I'm not going to do it. I'm not interested. And there's no more time anyway. It's just Jesus. This is to get you to Jesus, or back to Jesus, and also to light that fire in your heart to get other people to Jesus. This is why we end with the gospel and the ABCs of salvation, which, you know, for all these years, every week, week in, week out, we do the ABCs of salvation just a simple way to equip you so that you're at the ready 
to give to everyone an answer that asks of the hope that you have, because they see something's different about you here. The whole world is crashing and burning, and you've got joy. I want me some of that. What's up with you? Well, what's up with me is me going up. You want to go with me? Here's how. You need Jesus. He's the only way the truth and the life. And there's no way to the Father except through Him. He's your Savior. He's the Savior of the world, which means that the world is in sin and dying in its sin. And it is. And that's the first part of the gospel. It's the bad news first. What's the bad news? You're a sinner. I like saying that with a growl. Sounds very preachery, doesn't it? You're a sinner. Of course, so am I. Paul would say, I'm chief of sinners. But there has to be that acknowledging that you are a sinner. Otherwise, why would you even have any interest in the Savior? Yeah, but I'm a good person. Well, Romans 3.10 says, you'll never be good enough. There is no one righteous, not even one, save one, Jesus the Christ, who was the only one. Well, no, but I have a, a good heart. Actually, Jeremiah says, your heart's deceitfully wicked. It's so deceitful. It's lying to you, and it's so good at it that it, you're believing your heart lying to you, telling you it's all good. We're all good. Hey, if you're, just be a good person. Just make sure the goods outweigh the bads. You're all good. No, you're not. You're a sinner. You were born a sinner, which is why you must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. All have sinned, verse 23, Romans 3, and fall short of the glory of God. All. Every single one of us was born a sinner. Again, bad news first. And you have to accept it acknowledge it, admit it, because you're going to be sentenced for it. Yeah, but I'm not guilty. No, you've already been found guilty. Now you're going to be sentenced. And what's the sentence? The death sentence for the wages of sin is death. It's the death penalty. Romans 6.23. That's the bad news. Now you've got my attention. You've ruined my day. You've actually ruined my life actually my eternal life. You've just told me that the wages of sin is death, and that I'm a sinner, and I've been sentenced to death. Are you ready for the good news? Yeah, I am actually ready for the good news. What's the good news? The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Notice the contrast between wages and gift. We are not our own. We are purchased by a price. Jesus paid the price. How much did He pay? It cost Him everything cost Him His life to give us the gift of eternal life. He paid for it, and He offers it to us as a gift. You don't pay for a gift. This time of year, you're already starting to think about re-gifting, I know. But this is not a re-gifting gift. This is a gift from Him to you, paid for by Him instead of you, the gift of eternal life. Now, 
once you've acknowledged, admitted, accepted that you're guilty, now we come to the B and it's so central and it's so simple. It's just believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. This is Romans 10, 9. If you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever would. And I know I illustrate it this way, but I think you know why. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever would become a member of that church, sign up for that class, go through that course, get water baptized, down the list, fulfill all these requirements, will not perish but have everlasting life. Again, you understand the illustrating it that way, right? Now, believe. That's why it's a childlike faith, believing in, putting your trust in Jesus. Jesus is Lord. And then that brings us to the C. And again, the ABCs are just a way. They're not a formula. Just, it's just a simple childlike tool that you can use to bring people to Jesus. That's all you're doing, by the way. And, and you're not going to talk them into it. Nobody comes to the Lord unless the Holy Spirit leads them. Stop trying to argue them into the kingdom too, by the way. I mean, you, anyway, I'm not going to go there. Maybe I will just a, a second here. No, I want you to think this through with me. No, seriously, I want you to think this through with me. You're going to argue them into the kingdom. If they could be talked into the kingdom, they could probably be talked out of it too. And, and we, we, Ezekiel 33 on Thursday night, the watchman on the wall, all he has to do is warn. That's it. He's done. That's his only responsibility. All we do is broadcast the seed of God's Word as the farmer. Uh, upon what type of soil it falls, that onus is not on us. See, this is a, the reason I'm yelling at you again is because this is the number one fear. This is the number one reason why we don't share Jesus with people. First of all, we fall and pray to the hand of the enemy who gets us to become afraid of them saying no, and rejecting us, and hating us. Well, they already hate you, by the way. They hate you because they first hated Jesus. Yeah, but I'm not good with rejection. You're not being rejected. And that doesn't go on your record either. If, if they don't accept, you've done what you were commanded to do, called to do responsible to do. That's all you got to do. Now, it's on them. Your hands are clean, innocent of the blood of any man, because you warned them. And by the way, Thursday night, Ezekiel 33, the warning from the watchman of what's coming. I would really encourage you lovingly to warn your family and your loved ones. Warn them. 
that Jesus is coming and judgment is coming. Warn them. Warn them now, because it's coming now. You must warn them. So let's say they respond, they accept, they admit, they believe in their heart. Now out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth, <laughs> what comes out of the mouth is what's in the heart. Well, if I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord, what's going to come out of my mouth? Jesus. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved, Romans 10, 9. And Romans 10, 13 says that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How childlike simple is that? Calling on Him, believing in Him. And today is the day of salvation. I, before we close with the but God testimony, can I just implore you, if you're here, and again, I'm not going to look at anybody or <laughs> look at the camera, but if you're watching online and you've made it this far, wow. Uh, as for a reason, by the way, I implore you, today is the day of salvation. This thing in Israel, by the way, this is game over. We're not just in overtime, to borrow a sports metaphor. This is sudden death. This is it. Oh, aren't you kind of going out on a limb? Well, if I am, it's a limb of a broom tree. So take it for what it's worth. Aren't you taking a risk? I'm going to take a risk for Jesus. I'm not going to play it safe, close to the cuff. You know, I'm not going to, because we, we really don't know. That actually we do know. We do know. What do you think one-third of the Bible is for? So we will know. God wants us to know before it happens, so He tells us what's going to happen before it happens, so when it begins to happen, we know it's happening. Otherwise, how would we know? How can you be so sure? Well, I, I am so sure because I, he told me, uh, this is how you're going to know. Oh, this is how you're going to know. Oh, no, I know. I know. And this is, yeah, spoiler alerts. That's how I know. I know how it ends. I know the ending, right? That's did you want to come up and do the prophecy of bitch, huh? You've been listening to me too long, brother. Today's but God testimony. It's more of a testimony that I think perfectly sums up the suffering of so many people starting in 2020. It comes from Carol Brazil, who writes, Aloha, JD. I'll keep this short because your time is valuable. I discovered you in 2020 online from a forward someone sent me. You were like fresh water in the desert. I woke up on March 10th, 2020 in our home, which was our home for the past 20 years in Wailea, to find my husband had passed into the presence of Jesus during sleep. A 911 technician compelled me to get him on the floor to administer CPR, and in the process I fractured my back. Then COVID took off that day. And in the insanity of all this, 
by the grace of God and the help from my children, we found a gravesite on the north shore of Maui, in which we had the last funeral allowed at the mortuary before the COVID lockdown. Fourteen days later, the family who came from the mainland left. My son urged me to join him on a flight to our home in Idaho, which my husband and I had just purchased to be near our other half of the family. My son and I were on the last flight leaving Maui as the COVID lockdown closed in. I spent months in severe pain sitting in a recliner before going near a medical facility due to the fear of COVID. After my daughter found a walk-in x-ray clinic, we discovered I had three fractured vertebras and advanced osteoporosis. By December, my pain was so intense, I had to have surgery in Boise, Idaho to help the healing process. As I sat in my recliner going through the pain of my back and the pain of my husband of 46 years passing, someone emailed me your prophecy video. Finally, someone was talking about the elephant in the room. In my heart of hearts, I never trusted the experimental biological agent called a vaccine. So I watched many videos from brave medical doctors and healthcare workers, but nothing from the pulpit about COVID. Thank you for your faithfulness and truth. Your messages have been a light to us in a world who are just treading water. Remember a couple years ago when you did a message exposing the movies, TV shows, Simpsons, etc. It was titled programming. The intrigue is so profound. It's an exact picture of what is happening now. This is a strategic game plan by none other than the evil one. As an army brat, I lived at Fort Kamehameha on Oahu with my parents in the early 70s. I used to go to Kaneohe UCMC base to hang out with my skydive friends, which I assume would be near Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. My point is, I had to find your church in Idaho. <laughs> Thank you again for your faithfulness, gratefully and prayerfully yours. Aloha, keakua, Carol. Brazil. Capono, come on up. Why don't you stand up? We'll close in prayer. So, Lord, I've just uh, poured my heart out, and I thank you for the grace of these, your people, and this, your church. Lord, will you take it from here? Because You're our only hope, Jesus. And I, and I ask this for myself as well when I pray this. But Lord, would you, would you search our hearts and search our calendars, our schedules? And when you do, Lord, we want to give you complete editing rights to override, delete, reschedule, add accordingly, so that in the end we're all about You, Jesus. And it's all about getting to You, Jesus. 
And it's all about getting people to you, Jesus. And lastly, come quickly, Lord Jesus, Maranatha. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Lord. God bless you.